Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. talking about what I have been seeing take place over the last 12 days of 2021, right? And so most of us have our attention set at um, what happened on January 6th at the state capitol in D.C. And I've been trying to offer uh, a new angle in how to confront the conflicts of the the capital coup, as everybody has been calling it, and, and my, my answers to go at it with love. It's not readily accepted. And for a lot of people, it seems like a frivolous idea. And I get that. And a lot of that just has to do with, you know, the way we look at things. So as I've been writing about this on my Patheos blog, I've had a lot of commentary, a lot of criticism. And um, a question was presented to me in lieu of how to converse with somebody on the other side, right? How do we talk to them? And the way he phrased the question was quite curious to me and kind of made me think about a few things. So I just kind of want to read the question, share the response that I replied with to this reader, and then kind of talk about it. So his question, Danielle, from your perspective, how might, quote unquote, we be more, quote unquote, reasonable conversation partners with, quote unquote, conservatives who are being silenced and oppressed? You know, my initial response was, have you considered just having a face-to-face conversation with someone you don't know and see what happens from there? I find that the best conversations that take place are the ones that you don't plan for. They're unexpected. They're spontaneous. They uncover little topics and nuggets of stories in just this wonderful flow, right? There's no presupposition, no planning, no formatting, n- no checklist. It just it just happens naturally. It's this organic, evolving exchange of words in which we share stories. What I try to do with this podcast is to just offer different models of conversations, right? So sometimes my the way that I interact with people varies, and I'm sure the same is for you. And so that is the premise of the podcast, right? So I want to share my own experiences. And from there, what I recommend is people just do what works best for them. You know, curiosity is this natural little thing that surges within us. And questions will arise when people are sharing information with us. If... We've walked into the conversation as free from bias as possible. And I mean, we're not going into the conversation with this idea that I'm talking to a conservative. I'm talking to a liberal. I'm talking to someone that voted for Trump. I'm talking to someone who had an abortion. I'm talking to a black person. I'm talking to a white person. You know what I mean? Like, if you step into a conversation with these pre-planned categories on how you're going to arrange this person before you even start communicating with this person... I would wonder if that won't become a hindrance to how you hear them. And if that other person isn't feeling heard, they're not feeling understood. And if someone else isn't feeling understood, it's going to be really hard for them to want to try and understand you in return. So one of us has to be the bigger person here. And one of us has to look at the other as a human and nothing else. 
Humans can hear each other, right? Labels don't listen. If you are going into any conversation and thinking, about, oh my God, I'm going to have a conversation with this label, this label, this way this person identifies and that's what I'm seeing, that's all you're going to hear in the conversation and you're going to look for bits and pieces of the conversation, of the words that they say that you can organize and just kind of shift under this little this header of the label that you've assigned to them and all of the qualifying traits and behaviors and whatever else you've heard from other people about how these categories of people fall in line with their their characteristics, right? And and what does that do to the conversation? Right? It kind of makes the conversation completely pointless. It's completely unproductive. It's a limited listening session because your labels are clogging up the airwaves, right? Your labels are acting like freaking cotton in your ears and you can only hear what you want to hear, what fits the narrative, what fits the script of the person that you have already created. And so Herm, that is, that's my response. And that's really my response to anyone. And I have to remind myself to be mindful of that, right? I, I, I have to hold myself back from making assumptions about the people that I'm about to engage with. Um, and, and that's very difficult for me, right? Because especially when I'm going through and I'm looking for people to invite on the show, I am trying to get a sense of who they are, right? A, a greater understanding of who they are so that I can decide what kind of conversation I can have with them. And one of the things that um, I decided to do this year was to kind of restructure the way that I did things. Like I don't want to go to people in thinking I have a sense of knowing who they are. I barely have a sense of knowing who I am, right? And 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 what I think I know about myself is going to change tomorrow. So I decided to create this new blueprint for myself of how I wanted to engage a conversation. Which dimensions of a discussion did I want to make sure that I was going to include so that it would be the best way that I could peel back the surface and get underneath into the good stuff of who the person is, right? And so how we're sharing our stories, what inspires us, what is intriguing us right now in current events and in current conflicts, and what is our story of healing and what is our hope for humanity, for peace and unity? These are the dimensions that I think are most important when we're having a conversation with someone. These are the things that we should be asking people. It's just that I believe when we ask these questions, when we are willing to listen to where someone is coming from, those programmed habitual ways of looking at people kind of start to dissolve, right? Because we start to go, oh, wait a minute. There's more layers to a person than, than, than I walk around acting like I know. You know, that, that famous that famous idea from, from Shrek, right? Like an onion. There are layers. But we have it, I don't know what it is, this, this program that is telling us right now when we are reading things and we're perceiving things that it's right there on the surface. Right there. That's all we need to know about that person. Boom, boom, we're done, right? I don't need to know anything else. There aren't layers. There's that. There's labels. I don't, I don't want the labels, Okay. I, I don't want to see people as labels. I want to see people as people, as humans. I want to see people as me. And so these dimensions help me peel back those layers and see the depth in a person. And today's episode is kind of like the first demonstration of that blueprint in action. And so these four dimensions that I'm going to hit on 
they take us to the first dimension in which we introduce the guest. Hello, I am, and I am inspired by. And that's it. That's what I want to know. That's what I want to know when I meet someone new. Who are you and what inspires you? And then I do want to move to the headlines. And I know I talk about how the erotic is not political and how politics can never be erotic. But I do know that politics and media reports and current events are important to us. And we do sometimes need to pay attention to things. It helps us understand how to navigate the environment we live in. We don't need to become obsessed with it. So I always want to touch on the headlines with someone. And in this dimension, I want to know what is the headline revealing to you about humanity? Also, what is it activating for you inside? When I notice that headlines get to me, when I notice that tr- that current events are starting to affect me, I have to take a pause and I have to go, what is that digging into? What is down there? And so I think that helps us learn a little bit about a person without really having to ask those blunt personal questions. Sometimes the way that we respond to the current events gives a piece of the puzzle of the person. From there, the third dimension to me looks like the healing dimension. What is your story of healing? What is your story of transformation, of growth, of resistance, of challenge? How did you grow out of your circumstance of pain? That's what I want to know. When we reveal a little bit about something that was painful to us and how we turned it into a pleasure or how we were willing to take that pain and receive it as a gift, that helps me understand the character of a person, right? We get to add another layer to this human being. The final dimension, the fourth dimension, is your hope for harmony. What is your hope for peace and unity in the world? What is it that you hope to see as the change in the world and how are you going to contribute to being the change you want to see? These dimensions work for me. They're my method of application. They help me say, here's a person, here's four pieces of the puzzle of who they are. Now I can start to see a little bit of a picture and I know that if I continue to engage with this person, I'm gonna continue to add more pieces to the puzzle of who they are. And I'm going to eventually see what they reveal is an image of God, is a reflection of the multitudes of examples of humanity that we have in our world. So without further ado, I would like to introduce my next guest. His name is Glenn Klein. Glenn came out of nowhere for me. I had never heard of him before. One day I had a message from him. He said he had noticed we had a mutual friend. And from there, uh, I've been on his podcast twice. It's called Sex and the Pews. He's a really great guy. He's a fellow Sagittarian. And he holds to an idea that I do that love will change the world. I really appreciate this about Glenn because it is really hard trying to get other people to see that, that lens that I'm looking through, that lens of love. And I realize that we have distorted definitions of what love is. And so that makes it even more challenging for us to see that love is the answer for everything. Glenn shares that with me. Um, There are many things that I disagree with Glenn on. There are so many different ways that he sees the world that I just don't see the world. And that doesn't neither take away from the way I see the world, nor does that mean that the way that he sees the world is better or clear, more focused. What it means is that I can just say he sees the world this way, I see the world this way, and 
neither of our visions are an obstacle to one another. Glenn Klein, he is the host of the Sex in the Pews podcast, Glenn Klein Online, and he writes a blog called The G-Spot. He's a friend. He is a father. He is just a fucking amazing person. Listeners, I ask you to compassionately consider the perspective of Glenn Klein. Enjoy the show. no complaints Danielle but thank you for carrying out to us how are you I'm good I just was listening to the podcast you published today that we did together for your yes. podcast sex in the pews um, that was such a fun conversation Corey is really excited to listen to it and I want to tell you I've been very mindful about not referring to him as my husband over this past few days yeah and I had a conversation with him about it and he disagreed. He was like, well, I don't think it's like that at all. And I said, fine, call me your wife then, whatever. Um, and what was interesting is I remember having a similar conversation with Corey maybe seven, eight years ago in which I said, can you remember that I'm not your wife when you introduced me to people, that I have a name? And that came flooding back to the surface. And I was like, I've talked to you about this before. You refer to me as just this label, but I'm Danielle. And I said, and I kind of appreciated Glenn pointing that out to me because it made me remember things that had impacted me in a negative way. And so all of this time, have I just been like ignoring it and then doing what I claimed was you know, affecting me in a little bit, right? Triggering me in a little bit. So it was really interesting to just watch myself go through that process of working that back out, bringing it back to the surface, and then kind of like taking your idea and making it my own in my own applications. And so kudos to you for that. So Glenn. Did, did, did he tell you, did Corey tell you why he thought it was cool? Um, <clears throat> yeah. Well, no, he didn't think it was cool. He, di he didn't. He was like, I disagree with that. I don't think it's no, like no, did, that. Did, no, did he explain to you why he disagreed with it? Oh, yeah. It was just more or less that like he, it was a, basically just categorizing me as my relation to him and how he could better explain a story or whatever. And I was like, whatever, do whatever you want. I'm not going to tell you how to talk, but you know, I was pointing it out. So I've been very mindful. And it's interesting because I actually have to dance through and I'm like, how do I describe him like that? And so uh, I've been just saying, Corey, 
um, like the person that I married, right? <laughs> if I need to go into deeper detail, because they're like, who the fuck is Corey? And I don't want to say he's my husband. I want to well, say no, you can married say, to. Well, no, you can say he's your I husband. I want but to it's, not it's do your... it right now so I can. Right. I know. I get that. But it, it. in identifying somebody that is yeah. in a relationship with you, whether yeah. it be my husband, my wife, my son, my daughter, whomever, yeah. my mother, my father, the first thing in the person's mind should not be my mother, my father. I'll tell you something that happens all the time is that when people especially uh, are in disagreement with somebody who's in relation with them and the other person, they will say, your father, go talk to your father about yeah. that. Yeah, and, and, that. And, and, and one of the things that my former Dawn and I uh, agreed on early on in our divorce and our 17th anniversary of our divorce is Friday. Woohoo, we're gonna party. And uh, so we decided that when we were referring to the kids or referring to each other, to our children, we have six kids, that we would not refer to each other as your father, your mother. But as we always have, mom or pop. Mom, yeah. And then we've been very, very good about that because one of the things that uh, children have a problem, even grown children with divorce, is that kids are literally half their mom and half their dad. And so when kids get go through a divorce uh, situation, at least subconsciously, they're thinking, what did I do? Mm. Because kids often blame themselves for their parents' divorce, which is completely illogical, but it's biological because the child is literally half you and half her or half him and half you. So it's, it stands to reason that they would be pulled towards what my, this combination, which is represented in me, did mm -hmm. not work. Where did I go wrong? So when you, when you say to your children, whether you're married or not still, your father, your mother, not only are you plopping on the identity onto the kids, but subconsciously you're saying this problem that I have with your mother or your father, it's kind of your fault. Because yeah. it's your mother and your, and it's, and your father. It's, it's also separating you from the responsibility of that relationship dynamic in the first place. Like, I think about that. My mom and dad, my, my dad didn't do that to me, but my mom did that to me when they got a divorce. And they got a divorce uh, t 10 years ago or so. And, oh, you're, you're your father's daughter now because <laughs> you picked the side and you didn't pick my side. But I remember going through that. I was like, oh, that's... Danielle is your daughter, is what my mom said to my dad when she was telling me she was done with me. She's your daughter now. And I just thought, oh, that kind of cut deep. But so, yeah, it can create all sorts of problems. But so we're working that out. Um, and it was just really fun to see it un unfold in my yeah, life. Yeah, how you articulate shit really does make a difference. It really does. It really because, does. Because basically, what is happening in any ongoing discussion, it's an ongoing meditation. Meditation is not this spiritual hyper um. Meditation actually means something. It means to talk yeah. about, to mutter. Yeah. And so okay. when you're talking about the significant people in your lives or about yourself, it is a form of meditation. It is. I remember learning about that. Um, this life coach I worked with, Jamal Javanji, he used to talk about watching those I am statements. Like, when you start anything out with I am or I am not or I can't or I don't want to, you're affirming something. You're already manifesting it. You're putting it on the universe. And what is it um, in the, uh, the Four Agreements? Don Miguel Ruiz talks about being impeccable with your word. And we're not. 
And I mean, fucking social media is a grand display of how unmindful we are about our words. So, um, so Glenn, you're, you're new to the show and our audience doesn't know you. So let's talk about who you are and what inspires you right now in this moment. What's inspiring you? Yeah, and the Al Kingstrom is inspiring me. And her office. Look at that thing yeah. behind you. You got all kinds of stuff going on in there. I do. I do. All my books. All my books. All my books. You're, <laughs> and you're in between open. books. <laughs> it's uh, inspiring and in general, but specifically coming from you, uh, your openness. Thank this you. is very inspiring. We, we need more people to be open. Mm and to not be judging everything that they see, hear, experience immediately. It's like, well, why is this triggering me? Are you open to go deeper? Yeah. I had a conversation uh, with a very important person in my life last night, a lot of triggering going on there. And they weren't too open. They were not too open. Uh, to that conversation. So openness is inspiring me. And uh, I'm just a guy here in Tampa, Florida, that is a father of six and a grandfather of two, and just desiring to continue to be a blessing on the planet. Well, you do that. You do that. Your podcast is so fun. Your conversations. And I keep recommending you to people too, because um, I'm like, he just, he, you peel back sex, especially in such a different angle. Um, and I have an appreciation for that because I mean, I love talking about sex and I love seeing how sex kind of plays into everything in our life. And so you just kind of bring this really unique view um, from the Glenn view. And I just have such an appreciation for it. And I just go and I listen to your podcast and I've got Corey listening to your podcast now too. And it's just, um, you're a blessing is what I want to say. And so Thanks, I'm just Anna. really glad that we're able to just share all this space together. It's um, called Sex in the Pews. And sex in the pews. Our tagline. Sex, sex, sex in the pews. <laughs> yep, that, that's our opening. It's get very militaristic at the beginning, very religious, because you got to be in lockstep. Sex, sex, sex in the pews is how it starts. And then my son-in-law, there it is, my son-in-law, the man that married my daughter, Hannah, Angel, who yeah. I consider a son. Angel uh, he Gabriel. Come, Angel Gabriel. He comes on in a very soulful, sexy way, sings sex in the pews. So it's a transition. So our taglines are celebrating sexuality and exposing religion, the historic ill effects of religion on healthy sexuality. And basically we cover all things human intercourse. Mm -hmm. We've had every possible topic. Danielle, as she alluded to early, uh, earlier, we just dropped uh, our second anniversary show uh, and with Danielle. And we were talking about a lot of things, mm -hmm. uh, but specifically about the renaissance of psychedelics yeah. uh, in the earth, which was fascinating. And our uh, perspective and our philosophy is it's just organized fun with a purpose. And we have a lot of fun. We are all about normalizing sexuality. We have been so weirded out throughout human history on sex. It's the most vital thing. We can't have life without sex. And if you can talk about sex and if you're healthy about sex and if you got a great sex life, and are thinking well about yourself sexually, chances are you're going to have a better day. Simple I agree. as that. I agree. And if you're having sex regularly, you're going to have better weeks. And you can have sex regularly with yourself. And you, you should. totally can. And, and people you, and you should. really should. You really should. 
really should. If you You're, have no one masturbate, please, it will help other people significantly if you are happy with yourself. Yeah, I mean, people think that everybody's having sex. Everybody's not having sex. They're but not. you can have sex with yourself. And what happens is people stop doing that or they were taught that it was dirty mm -hmm. and that there's something wrong with it. There's a whole movement now called no fapping. Have you heard of the no fat movement? Yeah. yeah. That's to reserve your semen for other things. And it's not healthy to limit yourself or to eliminate ejaculation. It's just not. Yeah, it's really, really not. It's not and at it, all. It can make you infertile. I mean, and, I wish men knew and that. It, like, it could, and it could, it could bring on prostate cancer because you've stopped exercising that gland. Yes. That's, not, that's not healthy, fellas. Stop doing that. And no. they say that if you want to ward off uh, prostate cancer, you should ejaculate about 21 times a month. So get busy, boys. Anyone? <laughs> I am not doing my part to help my husband ward off. I, I think you are doing your part, frankly, <laughs> from, from your own testimony on sex with the puke. I helped him out last night, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah so, but he can take care of himself. Oh, Corey's a big boy, probably more ways than one, if you know what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> According yeah. to you. I think he said he has the perfect penis for you. He does have the perfect penis. The perfect yes, penis. Perfect. Ladies, if you want to help your men, tell them they have the perfect penis, even they if they don't. Yeah, even if they don't. Because it doesn't matter. Because... We're so fucking shallow, we men. <laughs> we want, we want, we, we're so, oh God. Well, this is what, it's know, just the way we that are. That brings up a really interesting thing though. Like, so I don't know what it was, maybe six or seven months ago. Um, I was kind of more focused on, uh, understanding the psychology of, you know, the male body image, because I was, you know, I'm a woman, I know women, but I'm like, oh, maybe I don't know men very well. And I didn't realize that men struggled with body image just as much as I do. Like, I mean, I know we hear things like that, but it was up close and personal for me in the psychological scientific view that I was like, oh shit, look at how problematic this is. And so I started making sure that I was more mindful about letting Corey know that I thought he was sexy, that I thought he was beautiful, that I thought he looked good today, that I liked the way he did his hair today. Because I, I thought he's always complimenting me and I'm just like, thanks. Or I'll say, God made it for you, right? You know, and that's it. And I thought, oh my God, I'm not reaffirming that I am attracted to him. And then I started talking to other women and they were like, I don't tell my husband he's hot, but you want him to tell you that you're beautiful. Yeah. Why aren't we telling men the same thing? And so I don't know what I don't, I told Corey that I had recognized this. He said he really hasn't struggled with body image, but he had noticed too, that I don't do the same things with him that he did. Like I'm in the kitchen, he comes in and grabs my ass, right? I'm, I'm getting his dinner ready, he's grabbing my ass. But I wasn't doing those things when like he was washing the dishes. And so I really saw just this kind of, um, it was inequity within our relationship and how we treated each other. But so I, ladies, I think that's important. Tell your men that they're fucking hot, that you, I, and I do that, like he'll put cologne on or something. And I'm like, oh, Ooh, you know what that smell does to me, you know? And then he goes off to work. But he went off to work knowing that I was going to be thinking about him. And that does something for a man that, you know, a, a porn can't do and a text message can't do because you just let him know that he's what you desire and he's what you want. And that can, that can help with your sex life. So I just want to put that out there. We had a guest. Uh, she's a regular 
hopefully like you will be in the pews. Her name is Susan Bratton, B-R-A-T-T-O-N. She's a really well-renowned sexologist out of California. She's been doing it for years. And she's an older woman, absolutely sexy as fuck. And she was on the show relatively recently. And just, if you go to sexandpews.com, you just backtrack to Susan Bratton after you listen to Danielle's episode. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Susan Bratton gave us an example of how a woman, or a guy for that matter, can compliment their partner's penis. Oh. It was so hot, so sexy, so intelligent and spot on. I mean, it was really, really a turn on. And she's been doing it for a long time. She's been coaching a long time. She's been living this life a long time, but you got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And see, the thing is, is that we all relate to people the way that we think. And men are visually stimulated. That's why, these are general statements that I make as a sex coach and relationship guy. Uh, they're generally true. Men are generally visually stimulated. Yeah. Women are generally internally or emotionally stimulated, generally speaking. So that guys are more likely to say, oh my God, your ass looks amazing or you're so sexy because we're, we're, that's how we relate to you. Women aren't thinking that. Women are mm -hmm. thinking, oh, he makes me feel so secure or he makes me feel insecure or whatever the hell. But the number one fear across the board with men is the size of our cocks. Yeah. All men on a linear scale, on a continuum, have the fear that our dicks aren't big enough. And th there's a reason that there's all these uh, penis enlargement companies and products and stuff. Yeah. This has been going on since day freaking one in the male experience. All women share a, a common fear too. Maybe we'll get into that. It's got nothing to do with the size of their breasts or their size of their hips or anything else like that. But men are visually stimulated. So we can look and compare, especially since the age of pornography came into being, guys are more insecure about the size of their penis. If you have any doubt about it, about how Mel's, male's preoccupation with size, is that when the United States decides to honor the father of our country, what do we do in the nation's capital that we name after him? We put up the world's biggest penis right in the nation's capital. You see, our dad's got the biggest dick. What, what, what is that? What is the Washington Monument? It is a massive phallic a, symbol in the nation. It's a big old <laughs> cock. And so now the thing is, is that most men's penises are around the same size within an inch or two one way or the other, because that's why it's an average. And learning on how to please a woman and what a woman wants, starting with the sense of security, you can satisfy any woman, guys, with, this, with what you got. I guarantee you. If you don't know how to do it, give me a call. I will tell you. I it's have not. I remember I was like 13 when I heard this and it stuck for me. It's not the size of the ship. It's the motion in the ocean. Right. And I've been with very large men. And sadly, I think they depended on their size to take over for any talent or skill. And so it was, you know, a wasteful experience, really. You can have a big cock, but if you don't know how to use it, good is it? And if you have a little cock, I know I've been with men who are little, but you know what? They know what they're doing. So it's just all about what you do with it. That's all I want to say. And I mean, yeah, you can, you can go around and measure cocks and be like, oh, my, my man's dick is eight inches. <laughs> but you how, have how to work do you, how, to do, how, how do you do that? Like that. <laughs> Um, 
<laughs> my dick is eight inches. <laughs> it doesn't matter about that. It's just like, and, and even, even if he doesn't know what he's doing with it either. I mean, if you're in a relationship with someone, you better fucking teach him what to do with it. Otherwise, I, you're going to be unhappy. I've been coaching men and women sexually for years. And when a guy will come to me and he's having a problem with his woman, invariably, I will ask him, where is her clitoris? And you'd be amazed at men who are sexually experienced will answer like this, you know, where it always is. And I'm like, no, 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 dude. It's, they're not all in the same place. And so that's my first advice. Find your woman's clit and find out the way she likes it to be treated and approached. And there's all kinds of things, but you got to know where it is first. And you can't be knowledge. I know it's a cliche, but knowledge is power. And if you want to empower yourself and empower your woman, find her clit and, 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 and understand how a woman uh, reacts sexually and how your specific woman reacts sexually. But yeah, it's, it's unbelievable how dumb guys are. And especially in the area of, because the, the dick size is, does, it's not just about the size. It's, all, it's about all that that represents, our ability to provide, our ability to, mm-hmm. to, to, to be intelligent enough to deal with life and all the things that that provider represents because we are the hunter-gatherers. That's how biologically we evolved. And when we don't feel like uh, we're a solid or an effective enough provider, we can get body image issues because of that, because of what it represents. But it's, it's just get knowledge, you guys, because the fact of the matter is your dick is probably just fine. The first three inches is where the nerve endings are in the, in the vulva. And if not, I mean, you, that's why God invented vibrators and shit. <laughs> so you can use the... I mean, right, but don't overuse that. the vibrators because that can actually desensitize you. Yes, but I mean, you can bring in some Moderation. toys. That, you know, yes. You fingers and mm. stuff. Yes. Like and, and tongues. Yes. And, to- and tongues. Oh, Those are wonderful. So how how did Susan tell you how to compliment it? Or are you going to make us go to the show? Yes, I'm going to, because I could not even come close to replicating it. But I'll All tell right. you one thing, ladies. One of the biggest things you can do is learn how to do it and to do it. Yeah. I don't care uh, how big a guy is. He wants to be told how great his cock is. That's how shallow we are. And it's just how we are. So just deal I with it. I don't think it's shallow. I think... Yeah. It's pretty shallow. It's pretty well, no, fucking shallow, but to- it's just... It's, it's just the not way it, shallow because it, okay, we've separated it? it. I'm going to argue with you here. I don't think it's okay. shallow because what um, is it? Well, we've been separated from our bodies, right? We've been told for thousands of years that we should be ashamed of these wonderful containers. So I think when we're talking about loving someone in a relationship dynamic, we're, we're loving their body and not just the parts that benefit us in the moment that it benefits us, but all of it. Like, implementing things like what Jesus did with the disciples. Have you washed your lover's feet? I mean, that's fucking sexy as hell to wash somebody's feet and to give them a massage. I mean, I think we need to pay attention to all of the parts, but that part is life-giving. And so it's not shallow to pay attention to. We want men to pay attention to our parts. So reciprocate. I didn't, I didn't say it was shallow to pay attention to it. I, I said don't think it was it's shallow to even be concerned about it. It's our I th- body. I think it's shallow to be so focused. In fact, I know it is. It's shallow to be so okay. focused on our size when, when there's so many other things. I'm not saying it's, it's, it's not a thing. And that focus can fuck with your sex game yes. too. Yes, it does. then you're just like, how's it look? So looking good, it feels good. And then that's all you're thinking about. And then you probably right. don't no. last that long either. So Yeah, which is also an issue with a lot of men. 
I, I, you know, someone, someone reached out to me. He thought he was being cocky and funny. He wanted to know what erotic embodiment is. He's like, do you show me how to please my wife? And I'm like, no. So I go in and I kind of explain a little bit about what I do. And he's like, I'm just looking uh, for tips on how to last longer. Mm -hmm. So what do you got? And I just simply threw it back at him. And I was like, what? Um, that sounds like you just want to know how you can better yourself. And so I didn't hear you talk about any partner and pleasure in that regard. So have you considered not making it about your pleasure in the first place and see if that alleviates any kind of stress that might make you come faster? And he was like, oh, oh no. And I was like, why don't you try that and let me know what happens? And he got back to me and he was like, you know, you were right. And here I was thinking that you were just, you know, bullshit. And I'm like, oh, weird, huh? But sometimes we <laughs> think that we're going to go in and like be these magical gods. And you're like, no, just take yourself out of the fucking equation for once and then see what happens. So anyway, so um, the headlines have been loud lately. I don't know if you've noticed, Glenn, maybe, maybe you've seen a few things streaming uh, in the airwaves. I'm curious, is there anything in the headlines that's standing out to you that's making you, I don't know, look at a different layer philosophically about how us fickle humans interact with each other? By the way, episode 296 is Daniel Kingstrom's most recent appearance of the pews. And at the end, our host here asked me, what I thought was going to be coming down the pike. Now we, we dropped it today, Wednesday the yes. 13th, but it was done a week ago. And, and I said that Trump would be impeached. So that's, ha that's happening. You, you asked mm -hmm. me a couple other things, predictions, which I made. And I, I think those will be fairly accurate as well, including you asked, will Donald J. Trump be escorted out of the white house mm -hmm. in handcuffs? And I said, no, he will not. <laughs> and he won't be, uh, the here's I, I yes there there is one thing that has been in the headlines of course social media companies got together and colluded to get Trump off the uh, off the internet basically yeah. including today YouTube uh -huh. so he he said he cannot be on social media the president of the United States interestingly enough some of Trump's colleagues in world government, but people that did not like dealing with him, people like the chancellor of Germany and the president of Mexico and, and many others are saying how potentially dangerous this is. And the other thing about uh, them doing this to Trump, you have people like the Ayatollah of Iran still on there and many, many other uh, platforms on Facebook or Twitter or well, Instagram, not so much, but that are calling for the death of Israel and the death of the Jews and the death of America. Those are fine. That's so, fine. Yeah. So I think that- Child fact, porn, that's fine. I think that the fact that some of these world leaders are calling out uh, these major power players, which is the uh, CEOs and the owners of Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, mm -hmm. which is Amazon, Google, Jeff Zuckerberg, um, Etc. or Mark Zuckerberg, I should say. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Bezos. Zuckerberg. Jeff yeah. Zuckerberg. Jeff Bezos Zuckerberg. and Zuckerberg and yeah. Dorsey basically run the world, right? Yeah, well, no, they don't, but they have a major influence on our ability to communicate at this point. And they have, they do have monopolies and they, they, there's, it's going to take uh, 
the Democrats who are being supported by the social media giants to come up against them. Because in the same way, you're seeing Republicans now criticizing Trump for what Trump did a week ago today uh, at the rally in D.C., which led eventually to the violence at the U.S. Capitol. There's, you don't hear one conservative of, uh, or a Republican supporting Trump for doing that and what, what he said and what it led to. So you, at some point, you've got to get some honest Democrats and some honest progressives and liberals saying, no, 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 we, if, if we're going to have free speech, we've got to have free speech. Or if you're going to have these rules, Twitter and Facebook, you've got to have them for everybody. Exactly. And, and they haven't done that. I, Glenn Greenwald is a columnist and a liberal columnist, very good writer. Uh, and he has been one of the only liberals that has come against it. The American Civil Liberties Union has also criticized the social media's decisions to deplatform, as they're calling him now, Trump. But Trump made his own bed. I mean, I, I don't feel sorry for the guy at all. And uh, he could have just deleted his shit and not blocked them all together. And I would have been, I would have been happy with that. Like I get it. Like those tweets, no, get rid of them. But to completely take him away, and then. I think, well, okay, well, are the Democrats just not saying anything because they're afraid that if they speak out, oh, Dorsey's going to fucking block them on Twitter too, and then what, you know? So I heard Sam Harris call both sides out about this censorship issue and that the Democrats really do need to stand up and start seeing what is taking place and stop acting like this is some kind of like political game where we're like it doesn't matter because it's gonna matter when they turn on you when you start right. saying and, and, something and they will just like the rioters uh last summer in portland and, and washington state eventually turned on the democratic local leaders and went to their houses and they, they, they don't they don't care it's all about uh, anarchy and chaos and and upending uh what's been a pretty stable democracy for the better part of 200 years we got a lot of work to do but I never was a fan of Trump's. I never would have voted for him. I never did. Uh, but I understand the mindset that caused him to be able to do what he did uh, to win the nomination of the Republican Party to become president. And he just fucked up. He just, he could not control himself. And he's, re he's not well. He's obviously manifesting some serious mental illness. Of all the things that Trump probably has ever done in his life, the most obvious narcissistic moment came last week when he threw Vice President Mike Pence underneath the bus. Yeah. Pence, Pence had, could not have been more loyal to this guy. Yeah. Mike Pence brought credibility. For, forget about the fact that he's a right-wing Christian whack job uh, and all the other things. The guy is smart. He's credible. He's articulate. He gave Trump a lot of credibility, a lot of street cred, because yeah. he was there with him. Yeah. And the fact of the matter was, well, Pence had no choice uh, constitutionally than just saying, okay, this is what the states decided. It's, we're verifying this. Trump then throws his vice president underneath the bus at that rally. And then everything happened at the U.S. Capitol. Mike Pence gets death threats. That, that may have been the most despicable thing, at least hashtag at least tied, uh, that Donald Trump has ever done in his entire uh, pretty much despicable life. Yeah, well, you know, and then I can't, even the support that he continued to receive after that speech he gave, uh, was it was it the, the sixth? Or 
And he said, yeah. and I'm going to walk down Pennsylvania Avenue with you. And then he didn't. And then people were like, he's still amazing. And I'm like, he just totally did you dirty. He just totally showed all of his cards right now. What he's been doing the last four years was getting you to lead the charge. So he didn't get, have to get his hands dirty. And he lied to your fucking faces. And you're still standing here. It's okay to be like, you know what? That's fucked up. I'm done. It's okay to do that. Like when people really fuck you, it's okay to be like, you're not going to fuck me anymore. Because if not, I mean, what are we justifying here? We're just going to continue to justify shitty ass behavior, betrayal, being stabbed in the back, being used and manipulated. Are we going to normalize that shit? And, and that's what we want from our politicians. You, you, what precedents are they setting here? And being like, I'm totally cool with him treating me like that. Then you're going to be totally cool with all of the rest of the politicians treating you like that, which is, you know, what we've basically been letting them do anyway, give us a lot of false hope shit on us and then be like, you're ready to do it again. And we're like, yeah. And it's that? unbelievably, unbelievably, we continue doing it. I wrote a book called early wake up call last spring about how we're going to get that on Amazon. Listeners. It's, it's, it's on Amazon. Uh, you can give audio book. It's, it's early wake up call how a coach's early warnings about the pandemic can help you now. It's the same thing. The, 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 our leaders have no respect for us. They, they make rules. They don't follow their own rules. Yeah. They destroy our, they destroy our economy. They close our businesses. Uh, they insist that we get a, a vaccine that who the hell knows what it's going to do. And we've never done this before. We've never had a vaccine that it didn't have years and years and years of testing. We don't know what it's going to do. I just, I, I, well, it sounds I, like everyone's having an allergic reaction from it right now. So we know I just dropped an episode on my other platform, Glenn Klein Online, with uh, one of my great guests, uh, James Valiant, who's a former district attorney from LA. And we played this woman's, she's a pediatrician, obstetrician, renowned, been on the Oprah show and all the news channels and Rachel Ray and all these people. And she really gets into the issue of the vaccine. I'm not going to take the vaccine. Hell no. If they don't let me fly, I'll buy a fucking fake <laughs> vaccine thing or, or there I won't fly. I'm not, it, it's, it's, it's the first vaccine of its kind. This is the first. Now think about this. The whole world shuts down for the first time in the human history. This has happened. The only way it could have happened is because of the internet age, the technological advancements that we've had that gets the information out. Like you're shut down and everybody knows about it immediately for a 99.97% survival virus. And I, I, don't, I don't believe in conspiracies. I think everything eventually comes out. But we do know this. Once the dominoes started falling, control, the control freaks, the ruling class, is a, this is our moment. And they talk about it, that this is the great reset. Yeah. You, I mean, I, I've written a lot about it. My coaching site is coachklonkline.com. You can read the blog. The blog is called The G-Spot, The G-Spot blog. And I, I've written a lot about this. And uh, there's all kinds of good stuff um, there. But I'm telling you, their leaders, they know what they're doing. Hillary Clinton said, in quoting Rahm Emanuel, the former Obama chief of staff and congressman and mayor of Chicago, never allow a good crisis to go to waste. Yes. She said it. And they, and they absolutely withheld funds for the nation uh, during the summer in order to make things worse so that Trump would have nothing. And you know what? They blamed him for, at the time, a quarter million deaths. And it worked. Yeah. It absolutely, it absolutely, and, and, and they and they changed the uh, the way the people voted in many states. 
illegally, unconstitutionally. That's when Trump and the Republicans should have been suing when that, those things were happening. Though that was unconstitutional. But once, and, and Jim Valiant explains this on the most recent show we did, uh, which is episode 43 on GlennKleinOnline.com. Once the states, and many of them were Republican legislatures, once they say this, the, the, they, they qualify the vote and say, this is, this is our vote, this is where our electors are going, that's it. The federal government has nothing to say about it. That's why Mike Pence couldn't do anything about it. Once yeah. Minnesota or Arizona or Pennsylvania or Florida or Wisconsin says, this is, these are our electoral votes, that's it. And so I don't know if the Republican legislators are like just tired of Trump too. Yeah. Uh, just like, fine, let's, let's get him out of here. And then we'll just clean up the mess afterwards. But getting back to um, the world leaders siding with Trump's freedom to be able to express himself, that's a huge moment. And we need to see more of this, more true liberals, people that are truly liberal in their thinking. And we also have to have many, many more world leaders say, you know what, we tried the lockdowns, we tried the masking, we tried social distancing and keeping people apart, it didn't work. We've got to take another approach. And that early wake up call, the reason it's, it's how it can help you now, a coach's warnings about the pandemic can help you now, is because there's more pandemics coming. There's more crises coming. And when I initially in the blog started writing about it and getting hugely criticized, for being a bad person and, un and selfish and, oh my God, it was awful. People that know me and love me and shit, it was awful. They had, they, they, the government and the medical bureaucracy had people so freaked out and so afraid still to this moment that people were attacking me for having just a different point of view. Mm -hmm. And I realized as, as I was addressing the attacks and writing blogs about it, that basically with the pandemic, all I did was apply my life coaching principles that I've been coaching successfully for decades onto the pandemic. And that's when I realized there was a book here that could help people through any crisis, through any international health uh, pandemic or a personal crisis. So it, it, could, it could literally save your life. It's very practical, it's, it's inspirational, and uh, you get it on Amazon. Early wake up call. I actually oh. really appreciate that you you did that in this opportunity because that's the one thing I've been noticing about all the self help gurus and all the oh, I've I've changed my whole life I have all the answers I thought but you weren't prepared for a crisis were you and so your shit's falling apart right now because what you presented as your method for hope and mindfulness and blah 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 was during peaceful, loving, wonderful, beautiful, breezy, rainbowy days, and we're in the middle of a shitstorm. And what you got now, right? Like, that's what I'm, I, and I see all these people and they're like, we're gonna come together. And then they just take this hard dive and they have to take a line and they have to choose a side. And I'm like, they're losing their shit. So clearly uh, we need to think more about uh, how do we practice mindfulness during all of the crazy shit going on. And I, I mean, that's a struggle for me too, right? Cause I sit here and, and it's really easy. I'm in my house. I'm in my space. We live on this farm. I have everything I need. I'm not losing my shit, but how do we share that kind of contentment with other people during this? And so if your book is a model that will do that, then let's get on that. And everyone go to amazon.com and check out Glenn Klein's book. Um, so thank you for that. 
So Glenn, let's talk about, you have gone through a lot of different transitions in just the last two years, like in your personal life, you've made a lot of changes. You, you, you've gone through a lot of healing. So let's talk about like one of the most significant things that has, that, that has transformed you that is in your book that will help somebody else. The thing about the mindfulness practice of the shadow work is that not only does it remove toxic thoughts and emotions and motivations, it leaves room for logical and rational thinking. That's how the book got produced, is that I was thinking rationally about it. It, did, it didn't make any sense to buy into the immediate orders of the federal government and local and state leaders because they've been proven to be wrong so much of the time. <laughs> I mean, it just, that alone. I mean, we know most of the time these guys get it wrong the first time. If they, oh, yeah. remember when, remember when eggs were bad for you? <laughs> I mean, it's just like, now you gotta get enough eggs. Remember I when mean, they were they, weapons of mass destruction? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, this is historically true, going back centuries and centuries of governmental involvement in people's lives. So that alone should have given people pause. But the mindfulness practice that I've embraced, we talked about it on your episode in the pews on psychedelics, is the practice of reminding myself and everybody else who's listening who we truly are. And as Sam Harris says in that video on the psychedelic renaissance, that the mindfulness practice can have the same effect on the, the human brain as taking a psychedelic. Mm -hmm. But as, and I totally agree with Sam Harris on this one too, is that most people aren't willing to do it. <laughs> You'll do 30 seconds. Well, I, this, this doesn't work for me. It, 30 minutes. Kirsty Carell, who's the co-host of Sex in the Pews and our executive administrator in our parent company, which is called Life and Pleasure Communications. She said she did the mindfulness practice and the affirmations that we have at our website that I developed for a year before it really rung true to her and really started having a dramatic effect. Think about that. 12 months of just doing it day after day after day, and then she got the breakthrough. Most people aren't willing to do that. So no. Sam, Sam Harris's thought is that the, this is why you suggest we put LSD in everybody's water. <laughs> an interesting thought. Drug the world, save the world. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but most people aren't willing to do that. And yeah. so, so we have the medication, if you will, the LSD, the magic mushrooms, the psilocybin, et cetera. Um, the thought is that everybody is internally perfect and righteous in our hearts. And I enjoy the fact that we're on a video too, because I always talk about this on my show, which is this audio or when I'm coaching, which a lot of times is on the phone. But here's, here's the thought, you guys. And this is the, new, this is the true New Testament. This is not Christianity. It's the opposite of Christianity. But there is a body of work that we call the Old Testament, which they didn't call the Old Testament. They called it the scriptures. When I say they, the disciples and Christ himself and the, and, and the Jewish people that were around at that time. They didn't, the Old Testament was an actual thing. It was a it was the blood of bulls and goats. It was a precursor. It was a foreshadowing of what was coming forever. And so the scriptures predict what was going to come, which was the uh, sacrifice and the, the union of the creator and 
his creation. That's what we're living now forevermore. The meditation of that is that, and this is the concept here, is that our hearts have been circumcised and our hearts are, are our hearts. I, I actually think it's our hearts. I don't know, but I, that's what I think. And we need the spirit of God, which has been made one with all humanity, all spirits, all, all human beings, all knowledge that ever has been, ever will be, or is, or, or is right now, is resident in every single human being. That's yeah. how powerful this shit is. Yeah. And, and so, in, in fact, Paul, who's the only disciple that was an actual scriptural scholar, he called it the power. It's the only thing he called the power of God. He didn't call answer prayer the power of God. He didn't call great marriages the power of God. He didn't call great wealth or having the right person as president the power of God. He said this information that is in every human heart, that's the power of God. The news, the good news, the gospel. Yeah. It actually means, all these words mean something. Like, remember earlier we talked about meditating, meaning something. That means to talk about, to mutter. Gospel just means the good news. If there's no bad news in it. Christianity presents bad news. If you don't accept it, if you don't believe, if you don't, da, 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 you're going to go to hell. There is no hell. There is no hell in the scriptures. There's no hell in the goddamn New Testament. So yeah. the reason I appreciate the video opportunity, it's like this. Here's the power source. Here in Tampa, it's the Tampa Electric Company. That's, that's the lights that are on here in my studio and the, the, the device that I'm on. It's all because Tampa Electric is successfully getting the power here in my studio. Sometimes the power goes out. There's an interruption in service. And then they've got to go figure out where did the power get interrupted? Same thing with the power source here. Here is where we live. Here's my studio. Here's my office. Here's my house. This is where we all live. People always say, oh, I got to get out of my head. Good luck with that. Not <laughs> possible. If you get out of your head, you're dead. Oh, yeah. I should write that down. If you get out of if your you head. get out of your head, you're dead. dead you're That's dead good. because it, it's, it's called brain dead. You don't, you don't want to get out of your head, but what you want is to get this information here. And the connectivity between the power and where we live is akin to the connectivity between a local power source, in mm -hmm. our case, Tampa Electric, and my house, and my studio, and my office. Sometimes it gets disconnected and it's dark. You, mm -hmm. you, are you dark up here, you guys? Get into the power source. And the connectivity we've discovered is the muttering, the meditation, the mindfulness practice, the shadow work of the fact that you are perfect and righteous and holy and sinless, faultless, blameless. You don't have a spot or wrinkle. You were the exact opposite of what Christianity teaches where we, everybody was born a sinner. Bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on Christianity. It's uh -huh. the truth of the matter is everybody has been born righteous. What a different world it will be when more and more people wake up to the, you talk about early wake up call and are being woke. Wait, woke, woke to this, you guys, you're, you're righteous. No matter what the fuck you do, no matter what you think, no matter how big your dick is, how big your tits are, uh, who you voted for, uh, how much money you make, it does, how many kids you have or don't have, uh, if you know how to compliment your man's penis or not. You are fucking perfect just the way you are. Mm -hmm. we're, we're human beings. We're not human doings. The mm -hmm. meditation on that, then question is, what do we be? I'm telling you what we, we, we be love. We be love. I love we it. Be, yes. We, we be perfect fucking love. Like, and, and one, we and God are one. We, everybody, Trump, Biden, the people that, the, the people that stormed the Capitol, the people that were like, that's fucked up. And everybody in between, 
everybody's one and everybody is equally as righteous as Christ. That's the actual New Testament. That's a, the, the New Testament writings, a lot of that is just bullshit. We call it the Bible. They never called it the Bible. We call it the Word of God. They never called it the Word of God. They were arguing with each other. The meditation of the truth of the gospel is the power of God. That is what delivered me from bipolar syndrome. I had bipolar syndrome well, my whole life. And then I was diagnosed about 20 years ago. And I struggled with it. I went on the medication. It just about killed me. And then I didn't know what I'm telling you guys right now. I never knew about but I was meditating this truth for years with a guy named Michael Williams, a very good friend of mine, who started an organization called the Gospel Revolution. You should absolutely have him on your show. Fascinating. He was the first guy that came out and said that God had healed him from being gay. It wasn't true, but he wanted it to be true. That was like 40 years ago. And he made a fortune going around the world telling everybody that by the power of God. <laughs> I'm not gay anymore. Right. And he got married, he had kids, and he would go to his religious leaders and say, I'm still gay. And they would say, just keep saying it, because they were making so much money. He finally gets out. And then I, we start this organization. He started it, and I came along 20 years ago called Gospel Revolution. It's just gospelrevolution.com, if you're interested. And Michael and I would talk about this shit all the time, what we're talking about now. And he had debilitating anxiety disorder panic attacks, 50 panic attacks a day. It's living on Xanax. And I had the bipolar thing that um, was diagnosed when I was 40. All of a sudden, when I say all of a sudden, over years, we noticed he wasn't getting anxiety disorder anymore. And I wasn't swinging from depression to mania. And then I realized what had happened because actually the aforementioned Paul, the only disciple that understood the scriptures, his name was Saul originally. And the nice Jewish boy named Saul. Nice Jewish killing, boy. Saul. Was, was, was killing Christians at first, and then he had his uh, exp experience on the road to Damascus. In any case, Saul uh, said that if you meditate the gospel, it will cause the cleansing of your soul, the renewing of your mind, or mindfulness practice. See, we're, we, we come up with all these terms. It's great. It's, uh, there's many different ways to describe it. He called it the renewing of the mind, Paul mm. called it. Uh, Viktor Frankl, the great uh, psychoanalyst who wrote the all-time bestseller, Man's Search for Meaning. Have you, have you seen, read Man's Search for Meaning, Danielle? If you, uh, you guys, if you haven't, it's all-time. It's just, he's, he's, he's passed away. He's an Auschwitz survivor, concentration camp survivor. Unbelievable book. Actually, that book does sound familiar. I, Man's like, Search for Meaning. He's a Christian yeah, he, writer? No, he's Jewish. Jewish. Um, but I'm in any case, I might was, actually have it. He was um, an Auschwitz survivor. It, it explains the whole thing in the book, but he calls it mental hygiene. Where, where Paul calls it the brain or the uh, cleansing of the soul, the renewing of the mind. Viktor Frankl called it mental hygiene. David Allen, the modern day philosopher, calls it taking a mind sweep. I like that, taking a mind sweep. Coach Glenn calls it taking a brain poop. I like the brain poop thing. Because I'm just so fucking classy that way. It's like taking a shit. And you have to be trained to take a shit in the potty. It's called potty training. You know, you know, what, you know, you know, why, you know why our, our parents potty trained us? Because they didn't want us to piss and shit everywhere. Yeah. But, they, but they didn't teach us how to cleanse our soul, how to take a brain poop. Nobody you know, it. It's interesting that that word comes to surface. I've been seeing that word everywhere 
on from politicians and elected officials who are talking about how we need this cleansing of the country. Right. But I don't think the cleansing they're calling for is the cleansing we're talking about right now. And that's worrisome to me because there's so many people jumping on board with, yeah, we need to cleanse this country of that kind of thought. And I'm like, what does that mean? Because I remember another cleansing that took place over in Germany right. and that, that didn't look like renewing the mind. And so that's, that's good. That is the kind of cleansing that we need to do. And psychedelics will help you get there. Yes. Yes. And that, deeper, if you're interested. Yeah. No, that, I, I agree with that. And yeah. uh, although I talked about on the show with you about my hesitation to, uh, to drop acid, I haven't done it in decades uh, because I've worked so hard on my brain chemistry um, and it's been so effective, but I'm open. I, I remember getting back to the beginning of this show, openness is okay. very inspiring. Yeah. So I'm open. I'm open to anything. I went from, uh, you know, I'm, I'm heterosexual by orientation, but I decided to start identifying myself as queer out of principle. Because if you, if, if you don't, if you don't know, say you're open to anything, then you're really prejudging or being prejudiced. So I, I don't want to be prejudiced. So out of principle, I embraced uh, my, my partner Kirstie's uh, <laughs> articulation of her sexuality as queer, which is identified as, to, as open to anything. And actually, before even I had that, I had an amazing, a couple different unique experiences with a couple dyed-in-the-wool lesbians. That if they and I weren't open to something different, we never would have had those experiences. And it was incredible, both of them at separate incidences. So uh, the affirmations that I developed, and there's a whole story about how I stumbled onto doing it in an affirmative way, uh, it's, it's, it's available at Sex and the Pews. But the, the, the actual affirmations are very brief. There's three of them. They're available on the website. And you can memorize them in half a day. And then they're accessible to you 24-7, 365, when you realize, I've got to take a brain boop. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling bitter. I'm feeling jealous. I'm feeling uh, angry. I'm, I'm, I, I'm feeling out of sorts. I, I do this all fucking day long. It's the first thing I do in the morning. I talk about it all the time on the show. I talk about it with my clients. I talk about it with my kids. I talk about it with my ex-wife. I don't even like to call her my ex-wife. My, my, my life partner, Dawn. Life partner, Dawn Olson Klein. <laughs> and uh, some people will receive it. to it there. Some people won't. Listen, when you do what you and I do, Danielle, you've got to embrace this philosophy. SW, 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 which stands for some will, some, some won't. won't. So what? Mm, I what like do? that. What yeah. are you going to do? I mean, some, yeah. some people are just not going to get it. And I think the reason they're not going to get it is because they're not biologically, uh, genetically predisposed to giving a shit about sh shit like this. And that's why they, those are the people that, that Sam Harris says needs the psychedelics. Right. But they, they might not even be open to psychedelics. No. My that's parents why they just need to wonderful. have their, their, their water tainted. But, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> I'm reading if anyone has the power to do that and you're listening. <laughs> I, yeah, right. <laughs> just, just kidding. Just kidding, uh, YouTube and Jeff Bezos. Yeah, I'm kidding. We don't want to drug people. I'm, I'm my body, my book. choice. I'm reading a book right now called She Has Her Mother's Laugh. It's by a geneticist named Carl Zimmer. It's, it's only like 800 pages. Only. And it's the little. guy is not only a geneticist and a scientist, but he's a great writer. And basically, I've been saying for years that I think everything is genetically based, pretty much. 
pretty much. It's going to be how it's going to be, genetically speaking. Mm-hmm. And so I had that information, which was in the power source. It, it dawned on my brain, and I started talking about it. And then I get this book recommended by one of our guests on the show, Dr. Daryl Ray. And lo and behold, the research indicates exactly what I thought was true, what I was just proffering as a possibility in a way of looking at life. It was awesome. Recently, it occurred to me that the way that we're handling COVID, the so-called war on COVID, is very reminiscent with the way the government handled the war, handled the war in Vietnam. Mm. Actually, the parallels are astounding. You know how, how I knew that? I didn't know it, but I was in the meditative process and the brain pooping, it clears out the shit and it leaves room for answers, for mm. rational and logical thinking. And it just dawned on me one day. And then I started researching and doing a little bit of writing about it. It's, it's, I wrote a whole blog about it. It's fascinating. You guys, you all have this in you, every single person. Now, regardless if you're genetically predisposed to this kind of discussion, this kind of mindfulness uh, awareness or not, the information is still in your heart, all of it. And especially the fact that you are perfect, righteous, holy, sinless, blameless, that you are love, you are holy, you are, I mean, my son-in-law Angel wrote a song about this called We Are Love, which is available on the website. He says, perfectly divine, flawlessly designed. Everybody. Everybody. Now, I'm talking about the human species, not each individual life in a manifested way. Talk about the plan. This, there, there's, a, there was a, there's a plan to this shit. Not to your life. That's over. See, this is where religion and the, the universe people and all, all that get it really, really wrong. The creator, God, however you want to articulate that force that caused all this shit to happen, they're not doing anything anymore. Done. Finished. Finito. If he's not or she's not or they're not, they got a lot of explaining to do because this stuff is fucked the fuck up. And it's not fair. It wouldn't be fair. But when you read the ancient Hebrew scriptures in the light of what they were produced for, which was just to set the stage for us. When I say us, forever. Humanity forever. Mm-hmm. We've been doing this for a couple thousand years. That's when all the human progress has been made in the last couple thousand years, especially like in the last 150 years, where yeah. women have equal rights. We don't have slavery anymore, even though we have human sex slave trafficking. And there are people that are still enslaved around the world. Basically, it's not acceptable. It used to be acceptable. Yeah. There, there were people that were living in Minnesota and certainly in Florida 100 years ago or 150 years ago. They thought, yeah, slavery, of course. Look, it's in the Bible. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not, that's not acceptable anymore. Uh, women's suffrage, gay rights. These are such tremendous progress. How'd that happen? Because the power source that's always been there started connecting with where we live. Mm. And people were going, yeah, I can see that. I mean, the argument about gay marriage and gay equal rights is over. Yeah. It's, it was always stupid. You know what else was was. really stupid? It was stupid to think that people that were born without penises were somehow lesser than. I think think the female is the superior gender. That's what I I think. I mean, we do give birth to babies. That's that's about as close to God as you can get. Jesus. 
And if there's ever any evidence or you need evidence that there is a creator, the clitoris is the number one evidence. Only Thank God, God. could have thought. Only you God could have thought of it. Only God it. could have. Only, only God could have thought of that. I mean, if that thing has no other purpose. Than she knew what she was doing. She was like magic, right? <laughs> Boop. There, there you Magic go. Magic button. Yes, celebrate that shit, you guys. You know, so, but the thing is, Glenn, is this, yeah, and what you're talking about is us really pulling out our inner, our inner love. Like, that's what we be, right? Right. When you talk to people about using love, they think you're fucking crazy. You yeah. can't heal the world with love. Are you fucking, oh, we're all just going to go hug the protesters at the rally? Well, did you try it? Well, that's insane. Insane is doing the same shit over and over again like we've been doing and thinking anything's going to change. That's not right. insane to go hug a person. You know, my friend was at the rally. He got back. I saw him a couple days ago. I hugged him. I was telling about his experience to my son and his girlfriend. She says, you have a friend that went to the rally? And I said, yeah, you can't be his friend anymore, she said to me. And I thought, or I'm going to love him and accept him and understand him and not think that just because he did something that I wouldn't do, because I'm not a protester, I don't understand that mindset at all. So I would never participate with that. But that's what you want me to do? He did something I wouldn't do, therefore I must hate him now. That's not love. That's not the principle that resides within me. That's not what we're supposed to do to people. Yeah. Walking up to the protesters, did you fucking try hugging them? And if a hug doesn't work, grab their ass. That might help. But yeah, I really do think <laughs> loving people can change minds. Instead I know, of I get it. you calling them names. Do you, do you know who, yeah, yeah, how is that going to happen? Do, do you know who Sarah Silverman is? Yeah. She, you guys just look this up. This is, there's, a, there's records of this. She would take somebody who was just absolutely blasting her as a liberal and as just a, you know, a communist or whatever, and being really nasty towards her and address them personally yeah. and win them over through loving them. Yeah. Now, if that could happen once, that means it could happen for everybody. And Sam Harris mentioned this uh, in that video uh, that's on the Big Think YouTube page. He said that he had this tremendous affinity for a friend of his just a great love. And then either, I don't know if it was through the meditation or the mindfulness practice or the psychedelics or both, he realized the same kind of love for everybody. Yeah. And I was like, that's me. I don't hate anybody. The manifestation of hate that people have towards Donald Trump, let's just start there, is to the degree that they have self-loathing of themselves. I agree. It's, I mean, I had with, Kier, not with, with Tawny and Alex to, to regular members of the power rotation in the pews. They, this was during Black Lives Matter, and they were both huge supporters of Black Lives Matter. We did a lot of shows about BLM in the pews because we cover all things intercourse, human intercourse, and that was definitely, we were definitely intercoursing. They were manifesting tremendous anger and hate for Donald Trump. And I was like, you guys, you can't realize how much you are loved and how much you need to and should love yourself if, if you hate him or anybody. So by the end of that show, they said, I love Donald Trump. Just to be able to say, I love Donald I love Adolf Hitler. I'm a Jewish guy. You're not supposed to say that. You can't say that. 
I know, but I, but I, I, I was watching. Do you love Lucifer too? <laughs> Lucifer is not a factor anymore. It never has been in our experience. But in any case, I was watching television one day. I was channel surfing, and there was an image of World War II. I, I don't know what it was, the History Channel or whatever that. And there was the Fuhrer. I've seen the Fuhrer thousands of times we all have, Adolf Hitler, and always with the same sense of revulsion and he was, he's the epitome of evil, but not this time for me. This time I watched him and I felt a kinship with him and I felt a oneness and a compassion for this asshole, this mass murderer. Yeah. Yeah. And That's I, and how it, I feel too about and Trump. And it, it freaked the fuck out of me. I was like, what the hell is this? But I realized that was the fruit of the mindfulness practice that I, it's what, exactly what Sam Harris was saying. I never took a, a, a hit of LSD or any magic mushrooms. It came to me because I, I marinate in this all goddamn day long in the shower, when I'm making my bed, when I'm driving, when I'm talking to Danielle, when I'm doing client work, the basis of everything. And when I say everything, you, I don't care what problem you're ch challenged with you guys or what's challenging you, whether you're fucking premature ejaculating uh, or having whatever ED issues you have, sexual issues, relational issues, psychological issues. If, if you are um, possessed by the inferiority complex, it doesn't make a difference what it is. The answer, the remedy is always the same, which is coming back to who you truly are. Because all the things that I just mentioned are going to change. They're, they are going to cease to exist when you die. Yeah. All your worry, all your relationship problems, all your money problems, all your body images, all the, the whoever's president, whatever the fuck you can name. We could spend literally the rest of our lives naming things. But all those things will cease to exist when you take your last breath. But here's what will not cease to exist, your energy. We know this scientifically. Yeah. We are walking, talking grids of energy. We're, that goes on. That energy just doesn't disappear into an ether. And the liquid we are, we're 70% water, just like the earth. God figured it out. He's like, I'll just do it this way. It's the same way. 70% water. And we're matter, just like the air. We're 30% matter. That should, the, 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 the liquid evaporates, comes back down in the form, form of moisture. And the matter goes back into the earth, where we came from. And our energy continues. Where? In everybody's hearts. We're all there already. And so, in all of our breaths, we're breathing in yes. everything. So why not focus on what is going to be lasting for eternity instead of what's challenging right now during the maximum 100 years you have on the terra firma? And why not die to all of that bullshit right now? Exactly. Yeah, and, and, of, yeah. don't wait to the, die. Die and to Dan, it now. The, and, right. And ironically, Danielle, the focus on what is forever actually will help you with what's for now yeah it's a, that's the brain poop that's brain the mindfulness poop. practice it will actually help you navigate better is everything going to be perfect in a manifest way no, no it never is going to be and it would be really boring if it was yeah. but it but but you can walk through it more peacefully and joyfully beautiful love it yeah i love it and that's I mean, that's all we can hope for, for our humanity right now, that we get to that point where we, you know, I see calls for unity, but like, it's not just something we say, now we're united. Now we're united. It's a process that we're all going to have to work through together. 
by being love and by being by by being the grace that we want other people to extend to us that's a big factor like that is just the the emboldened word i have been seeing so much lately that feels like we really need to grasp onto is this idea of grace and starting by extending grace to ourselves and knowing that we are perfect and extending that grace to other people and yes people that means you're you would extend grace to Hitler, to, to Satan, if you believe in it, to, to whatever horrible evil monster that you've imagined can exist to contain all this evil and you extend it grace because we have to stop giving power to that shit. And grace can take that power away from these controlling constructs and give us more freedom to just kind of flow with people. It's acknowledged grace. Here's another word that actually has a meaning, grace. It means unconditional acceptance. So if, when you extend grace to Corey or to Trump or your friend who said you can't be friends with somebody <laughs> to the rally, you're extending unconditional acceptance. Yeah. You guys, that's all you have to do. You want, you want unity. You want to have a, this sense of um, oneness and unity. If you want that, if you want the power to hit your brain, you can't do it. It'll, the, this, the power of God will do it for you. It's incredible. All you have to do is get it out of your pie hole. I am perfect, righteous, holy, sinless. How often? As often as you need to. Yeah. How, how, how often do you feel bad? How often do you feel insecure and depressed and, and, uh, and vengeful and bitter and shit like that and, and worried, anxious? How often? Most of you all day fucking long. All fucking well, day long. <laughs> yeah, so recognize. So how often do you have to say, I'm perfect, righteous, holy? So is everyone else. Everyone and God are one. How As often as it takes. If as you're chanting as, that shit all day and saying nothing else. <laughs> right. But, but, the, but the unity and, the, and, and, and also rational, logical decisions down the pike and reconcil reconciled moments that you will have, it'll do, it, it does the work for you. All you have to do is meditate it, to talk about it, mutter it. That's all you have to do. The power of God will do this incredible. It's the only miracle that's left. Mm. Now, this guy, Doc, I used to say it's the only miracle that's left. It makes no sense. It's not logical to think that just the meditation of our perfection could possibly have that kind of impact to the point where it would heal anxiety disorder or bipolar disorder. I just said, but it, I, I said there's no science to it, but I just know that it's true. Until my son Jacob sent me a video of a guy named Dr. Joe Dispenza. Are you He's good. With, I yeah. love Dr. Joe Dispenza. Dude, he he yeah. has scientifically proven that this kind of approach for love, for oneness, the meditation that actually has an effect on your immune system, actually yeah. uh, creates and strengthens T-cell count and deals with virus and all this stuff. Now I know that what I've experienced and what I promote is actually scientific. It is. Hallelujah to you. Yeah. And now I think, I mean, I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor, but I can't help but wonder if all the fear and anxiety and stress contributed to the amount of COVID deaths that we had. There's no we're doubt about it. Crashing our immune systems over exactly. what we're panicking about. Yeah, that's going to make you sick as fuck and you're going to drop dead. Yep. I have a, an acquaintance who um, found out he had COVID. This was early on. And he was like my age, like late 50s, early 60s. Found out he had, was, by his family's testimony, was so freaked out about COVID to begin with. 
so paranoid. Found out he had COVID, the next day he died of a heart attack. Mm. Now, nobody can prove that the stress yeah. of knowing that he had COVID. Uh, I just saw today somebody on Facebook, a friend of mine, big, bold letters on their post. I have COVID. I'm so worried. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> there's a, Actually, there's about a thousand worse things that you could have than COVID. There, there but, are. But, but we don't have a scoreboard for death on CNN and MSNBC and Fox News tracking the deaths to heart disease or cancer. No. Or domestic yeah. violence, or suicide, or, or car diabetes. Accidents. Diabetes or, kills diabetes. people, for yeah, fuck's we, sake. But we do know that 50% of the people that die of, of uh, COVID, even according to these statistics, are morbidly obese. You, yeah. you want to be, be protected from COVID a little bit? Lose 10% of your body weight today. Yeah. And <laughs> are also today. suffering from a vitamin D deficiency, which yes. is a... Wait, what, where do we... Where does our... Where do we get that whole vitamin D transformation thing? Outside in the fucking sun that they told you to stay away from? The yeah. sun is bad. It will kill you. You're using UV rays to sanitize shit, but it won't help me? Did anyone put that? No? Okay. We'll just let y'all think about that. that those, I heard COVID was coming, like, honestly, in March. And I was like, I am ordering vitamins. We are fucking going outside as often as possible. I got serious about forcing my kids to do yoga and I was like, we're going to learn about chakras. We're going to start meditating. We're going to learn how to heal our minds, to heal our bodies. And you know what? Nobody's gotten sick and we're not scared of people. We still go out. We still go see people. We're around all these other germs. No one's getting sick. Why? Because if you believe that you're healthy, if you believe that you're perfect, if you believe that all of this shit out there doesn't have to impact you. It won't, but you have to believe it. And you, well, you actually, actually, it's not even believe. To believe it. It's not belief. So for me, believing is for the Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. It's knowledge. I don't knowing. believe in God. I don't it's believe in knowing. God. Yeah, I don't believe in God. I know. You know God. God. I know. I know Danielle. I, like I know the me. Distinction there, Glenn. Yes, yes. it's getting back to my husband. It's it's all about formulation. It's all about how you frame something. Let me tell you something. I have zero concern about COVID. Zero. Me too. No more than anything else. I've, I've, I research what the, that COVID is a pathogen. I know that raw extract oregano oil, which I take four times a day anyway, was before this, it literally kills pathogens, oh, including really? COVID. I, yes. I didn't know that. And I have oregano essential oil. Okay. That's good. Yeah. And it, it, it was, it's, it's the, it, you take internally. And it's, I, I talk about it in the book. It's raw extract oregano. If, if I could wave a magic wand, I would have everybody on the planet just have a bottle. And this would be over today. But no, they don't want to talk about it. You know why? Pharmaceutical industry can't make money on it. I know. I wish people just understood that. Because, I mean, doctors have the knowledge to tell us how to stay healthy. And 95% of doctors take vitamins. 95%. Yeah. My own, the, the doctor that I used for my kids didn't even vaccinate her own kids, but shot my kids up. And that when she told me that, that's when I went, why are you, you know, and then you said 95, going, 95% of, of doctors take vitamins, only 5% recommend it for patients. I know. Why? How about why? No, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that they're bad people. I just don't, I, I don't think they thought of it's it. It's just a program system it's that they're crazy. part of. When we have six kids, and when I would take the kids to Dr. Cohn, the pediatrician here in town, he would block off half a day for us because I had six kids. Yeah. And so I would bring them in. This is, uh, you know, pre-internet days. And Dr. Cohn would take them and stick them all in the little, 
examining rooms, and I'd sit in the wait in the waiting room. I gave gave Dawn the day off or the after half a day off. And I just sit, read a magazine while he was checking on all my kids. One day he pops out of the examining area and he says, Klein, come here. And I said, What, Doc? And he held up between his index finger and his thumb a little pile of manila envelopes. And he said, You see this? I said, Yes. He goes, these are the medical files for your six children. He goes, these are not medical files for six kids. He said, whatever you're doing, don't tell anybody. You'll put me out of business. <laughs> and he was, he was, that was his way of giving me props. But he was also telling the truth because I, we only took our kids for school checkups. That was it. Once a year, yeah. six kids. Why? Because we had them on vitamins. We had them on flaxseed oil. We had them eating healthy food. We had them exercising outside all the time, not sitting in front of the TV all the time, shit like that. Now the doctors know that we don't have a healthcare system in this country. We have a sick care system. Thank you. And, and so it, because if people took care of themselves, these guys would be out of business by and large. Certainly the pharmaceutical industry would be out of business. I mean, if everybody would do the mindfulness practice or the psychedelics under control, which we really stress on the show, which like you talked about having a, a safety network, a, a network of safety, when you do that, yeah. if everybody would be doing that, all these psychotropic medications would go down the tubes. Yeah. And, and we but, would put the biggest business out of business. Right. And wow. So there you go. Add that shit together. Yep. <laughs> Add it all up and you'll see the truth. <laughs> <laughs> no, this during this last year, instead of gaining the COVID-15, I have so far dropped 60 pounds. I've, I've, Go, uh, Glenn. I fucking um, yo-yoed my whole life with weight because that's genetically how I was predisposed. My, I, my grandparents, my dad did. I, some of my kids have an issue. Um, but I was like, fuck that shit. I, obese people have a problem. It's time. Now, I was struggling with it. I've been up and down my whole life. But because of the mindfulness practice of the shadow work, I was able to break through. And I, I, I started smoking tobacco and cigarettes when I was 42 years old. Long story, doesn't make a difference. It's interesting. But this last year, no more tobacco for me. I enjoyed smoking, but it ain't good for you. I know that. And so if you want to know how that happened, sexinthepews.com. I was hypnotized on the show with, Doc, with Debbie Lang, who's a world-renowned hypnotherapist, and I haven't had a smoke since. Well, That's really a, awesome, actually. A smoke with tobacco. So there's, and there's always will be uh, progress to be made in our manifestations of our lives. We're not talking about, uh, and I'll tell you, when I was a fat fuck and smoke, not chain smoking, but smoking heavily, I would still say, Glenn, you are perfect, righteous, holy, sinless. It didn't make a difference if I was smoking or not or if I was drinking too much or not, or if I was yeah. uh, depressed or manic or whatever the fuck. You guys, you are a human being. You're not a human doing. So yes. don't allow what, is, what you're doing, not doing, and what is being done and not done to you have a disproportionate effect on your soul. That's the bottom line. If you, if you stay plugged into your true identity, you're going to have a better 10 minutes. And then you string enough 10 minutes together, you're going to have a better day. And then all of a sudden you turn around, you've dropped 60 pounds, and you don't smoke cigarettes anymore. Or whatever. And you're having a better life. Yeah. And you, yeah, and you have longer erections and shit. Okay. <laughs> longer so, lasting erections. Gentlemen, take notes. There you go. Gentlemen, start your engines. Start your engines. Find the clitoris and extend your erection. <laughs> That's it.
that's and that's the I'm show. No. <laughs> but that is about the show. I want to wrap up. I want to be mindful of your time, but God, thank you again. Like I, I feel like when I get a dose of Glenn in my week, I just have such a great week. So oh, well, it's just always fun together. to share space with you. Uh, it, it must be our, our fire elements. I don't know. Some well, we're we both Sagittarius. We're both Sag. So we yeah. got that, that firepower. And it's just, I love it. We just have such a great dynamic. And I learned so much from you. You continue to inspire me. And I just want to thank you again for joining me, for sharing your wisdom with our listeners. And I want to do it again. So until then. Wait, do me one favor. I want you to tell people how they can find you. Yeah, but do me one favor beyond that, please. What's that? Uh, I messaged Corey Kingstrom today. And I asked him to friend request me because he doesn't have that option on his Facebook. He doesn't. You know, some people can set the privacy settings. Yeah, we'll do that. Because yeah. he, he's been... I want to get him in the, I want to get him in the pews. I want to get oh him in the pews. He would love that. Yeah, well, that would we'll be awesome. Uh, just com, everybody. Coach yeah. Glenn Klein, two N's and Glenn. Klein like Calvin, K-L-E-I-N. With a little less money right now. And sex in the pews on wherever you get your podcasts. Right. And uh, here, and here, Danielle. Um, and it's called... It was our second anniversary show. It's episode 296 celebrating psychedelics with Daniel Peach. And it was so much fun. And this was so much fun. And thank you.